Welcome back, Creatures of the Night, to episode 27 of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Zeman, and I welcome you back here for another week of talking Undertaker merchandise, memories, and more. And uh, before we get started on our regularly scheduled programming, we do as we do here each and every week to start off the podcast. We do a little of self-promotion. And that self-promotion includes following me on all types of social media. That includes Twitter at CollectUpDead and on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. You can follow and subscribe to my YouTube channel, CollectingDeadMan. And you can find this podcast on your preferred podcast platform. I am on uh, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everything in between. And if you do subscribe to this podcast, which I hope you will, I would really appreciate if you would leave us a five-star review wherever you get this podcast from. It helps out the channel. It helps out uh, the podcast by being boosted up to be available to more viewers and being able to have new creatures of the night join us here each and every week. And um, speaking of the YouTube channel, a brand new watch along was posted there just the other day as it was posted to the every podcast platform. And that is Canaanite 10 from Instagram joined me for another round of taking a look at the next installment in the Undertaker and Kane feud, which is Unforgiven in Your House in the Infernal Match. As you uh, remember, last week we discussed WrestleMania 14, and um, we decided that we will be going through the entire career feud of The Undertaker and Kane, and that will lead us uh, to them fighting against each other and fighting with each other as the Brothers of Destruction tag team. So the next one we will be doing is a double feature of King of the Ring 1998. We will be taking a look at The Undertaker versus Mankind in the Hell in the Cell, and then Kane versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in the first blood match. And the reason why we're doing that one is because Undertaker and Kane's careers intertwine that night as Undertaker inadvertently or maybe on purpose helps Kane capture his first World Wrestling Federation Championship. And that leads us all down the path of are they in cahoots? Are they together? Uh, leads us to the Highway to Hell, uh, Breakdown, Judgment Day, the formation of the Ministry of Darkness, uh, Undertaker and Big Show against Kane and X-Pac, and then finally, The Undertaker's Emergence as the American Badass, which leads us into the Brothers of Destruction, and we just keep going on from there. So this is something I'm very excited to do with Canaanite 10. Something similar I'm doing with Randy Turco is taking a look at Undertaker's Tag Team Championship victories. And um, you, if you are listening to this on Friday, uh, Randy and myself recording another watch along our next installment which is the buried alive match that takes place on smackdown on september 6th 1999 uh, so we wanted to do it on the actual anniversary of the match 
but you know, things got uh, hectic with both our lives. So uh, we were doing it just 10 days uh, shy of the uh, uh, actual anniversary date. So just 10 days later. And um, I'm really excited to continue that trend with Randy. And after that is the Undertaker and Rock Tag Team Championship victory in December of 2000. And then we get into the title tag team title victories he had with Kane. So uh, it seems like uh, some matches with Randy and Kane and I-10 will be um, intertwined, and which is fine. You get different perspectives from different people on the same matches, which is always fun to have. Um, but um, other than that, you know, check out my Linktree page where you can find the links to my merchandise stores, where you can find the links to where I can, uh, you can get this podcast and everything else associated with this uh, podcast platform. Um, but that is enough self-promotion for now, at least. But let us jump right now into Tales from the Grave. Tales from the Grave. Of course, in Tales from the Grave, that's where I talk about my favorite Undertaker memories, my favorite figure hunting memories, give you a little bit of the figure history surrounding this time period of Undertaker, and then we discuss any uh, new action figure news and Undertaker news. That's happened within the past week or so. So my favorite Undertaker memory that I wanted to discuss today actually deals with what Canaanite 10 and myself were talking about just in our most recent watch-along. And he was talking about how he first got to experience a world title victory for Kane in 2010 with Kane's um, World Heavyweight Championship reign. The reign that he started off by beating Rey Mysterio, going into the Undertaker feud, which of course ended when he faced Edge at the end of 2010. So Kane held that championship for a good almost six months, six and a half months, I believe. And that, you know, that got me thinking to say, I have been um, so blessed that I was able to experience a lot of... Um, World Heavyweight Championship victories for The Undertaker. But it seems like, you know, if your favorites don't get a chance to win the championship, or even if they have won the championship before you became fans of wrestling or fans of that particular superstar, um, you know, at least I have good memories of watching it live, or I mean, on pay per view at least, of Undertaker's championship victories. And a Canaanite 10, you know, he doesn't count the ECW title victory, which, you know, I don't blame him. And also, he was not watching wrestling when Kane had that one-day reign uh, from King of the Ring, which we will be getting to next time on our watch-along. But, um, yeah, I was just thinking, like, I got to experience all but two of Undertaker's championship victories firsthand as a fan. The only two that I missed were his first one in 1990 and his one at 1997 from WrestleMania 13 to SummerSlam. So the first championship uh, victory I got to experience actually took place during his Ministry of Darkness reign 
uh, at Over the Edge 1999. Now, of course, we all know Over the Edge as being synonymous with the Owen Hart tragedy. So it's not a pay-per-view that's really looked upon with um, good vibes nowadays. It's a pay-per-view that's usually relegated to like the ash heap of WWE history. It's something that a lot of people talk about. A lot of people like to forget that for good reason. Uh, that's why, you know, when they look show Undertaker's championship victories, they usually show you like WrestleMania 13, that iconic pose at the end with the purple lights. They usually show you any of his WrestleMania, other WrestleMania victories, and they usually give you highlights of his last championship uh, reign as well. Um, but I got to, I remember my parents ordering Over the Edge, um, and I was so excited, I remember as a kid, to, you know, for this Undertaker Austin match. Because I was, you know, potentially going to be witnessing uh, my favorite wrestler, you know, become champion. And, you know, I, I'm not thinking about anything that happened in the past. I don't know if he's won championships in the past or whatnot. I just want to enjoy what I'm watching now as a six and a half year old. And I remember being so happy, overjoyed. Uh, seeing Undertaker win, you know, the, the ending is shoddy, you know, with the fast count and everything. It's, it's a sloppy ending, but, you know, as a kid, you don't care. And you're just seeing the Undertaker win. Undertaker officially wins. He becomes champion. It gives us that amazing match with The Rock at King of the Ring a month later. And, you know, I didn't even process, you know, what's going on with Owen Hart, the tragedy that unfolded earlier, because, you know, I'm, I'm focused. As a kid, you're focused on one thing, and, you know, I'm just focused on the Undertaker match. And, you know, of course, you know, I watch Raw the next day, Undertaker's not there, they have that whole celebration of Owen Hart's life, and, but just, you know, I got to witness Undertaker's first championship victory to, you know, as to me as a fan. And that pay-per-view, um, I really wish I could have experienced his victory at uh, WrestleMania 13 in Chicago, being, you know, that's where I'm from and everything. I think it would have been really awesome to experience that championship victory. But, you know, I love the Ministry of Darkness. That's my undertaker that I'm most familiar with, you know, as a, growing up as a fan. That's my first Undertaker incarnation, I remember. So, you know, seeing him in that um, era and just experiencing that whole pay-per-view, um, you know, it's always a memory I think back at. You know, it's a memory I always uh, vividly remember. You know, it's uh, his championship, his first championship victory by me, win uh, by me as a fan watching it. Of course, it's his third overall. Um, but yeah, just everything else surrounding that day and the pay-per-view and just me being focused, focused on that match, focused on him winning. And, you know, it's something that, you know, a lot of fans take for granted that, you know, they get to witness their favorite wrestler win championships and experiencing that moment. And a lot of them are lucky enough to experience that moment live. I have not had that, uh, experience. Uh, of witnessing Undertaker win a championship live. I can only imagine how amazing that would be. But a lot of people have. 
And even if your favorite's The Rock or John Cena or anybody like that, a lot of people have had that luxury of experiencing that championship victory, witnessing that. But just hearing Canaanite 10 the other day saying, you know, he first got to experience that in 2010, that got me thinking about this. You know, how many fans are out there that, you know, haven't been blessed enough to see their favorite win a championship or, you know, not even, not even yet, or if they're just new fans, lapsed fans or anything like that. So that, you know, that got me thinking about, you know, this time period and everything surrounding Undertaker's championship victory here. So that is my Undertaker memory for this week. Uh, of course, the best Undertaker that uh, I always go to that uh, encapsulates the Ministry of Darkness championship Undertaker is the Hall of Champions Undertaker. Uh, it's that... Uh, red outline logo that just pops in the collection. That beautiful blue box with the championship titles behind him. And I really wish they would have included the Smoking Skull belt with this Undertaker. Because th actually this attire in the Hall of Champions is the attire he wore at Over the Edge. It is the TX outlined in red. And it's supposed to depict SummerSlam 98. But at SummerSlam, I mean, SummerSlam 99 with his World Tag Team Championship victory with Big Show. Uh, but in that one, his outline is green. So if they want to keep the red outline, I would have loved if they would include the Smoking Skull Belt. But then they would have had to talk about Over the Edge 1999, which probably is a pay-per-view, like I said earlier, that WWE wants to forget. And, you know, not produce any merchandise that talks about Over the Edge or any type of thing like that. But I think that giving him the Smoking Skull belt or even the Big Eagle belt and talk about maybe his King of the Ring match with Rock or something like that, that would have been better. But it is a wonderful figure, and I just can't talk about it enough. It is just one of my favorite Mattel Undertaker figures that they have ever produced. Um, I talked about my figure hunting memory about finding the Hall of Champions Undertaker. I've talked about my figure hunting memory of, um, you know, finding some of my favorite uh, ministry takers. Uh, I don't know if I ever talked about finding the Double Slam two-pack series at Toys R Us. Uh, that was a fun time to, you know, that new Titantron WrestleMania 2000 green carding um, with him and Kane. That was one of my favorite two packs as a kid, you know, with the Titantron, the trash talking stage and all that new packaging. And just seeing just seeing fresh, brand new packaging as a kid in Toys R Us, you know, figure hunting with my parents, whether it was both of them. Or, you know, my dad when he had a day off. Or my mom when she was off. Stuff like that. I always remember finding, like, those new figures and new packages. And they always used to uh, have the wrestling figures, like, displayed so nicely. I remember, I can vividly remember my Toys R Us's old layout back in 1999, 2000 era. 
Uh, and it's a layout they kept up until like 2010, I believe, when they revamped. But I vividly remember you would come in a door and it, the wrestling figures would be around the corner. And it's like they, the aisles were slanted in such a way that you couldn't, uh, that you would have to like zigzag through aisles. And I always remember how the wrestling figures were uh, displayed on the pegs and then like uh, slanted aisles and things like that. So yeah, it's just um, just stuff like that. It just brings back so many good memories of um, nostalgic purposes, I would say. Uh, but that's that's my figure hunting memories. More like a remembrance of Toys R Us past, as I like to do here almost every week on the podcast. Um, but uh, getting into the Undertaker news, um, no action figure news per se, you know, besides the old, you know, if you're looking for anything new for pre-order, uh, Ringside Collectibles is the place to go. Um, hopefully I become more, hopefully I become popular and big enough so I can get a 10% off code for my fellow creatures of the night. Uh, but until then... Any 10% off code works. They even uh, promote 10% off codes on the website and free shipping codes. So definitely take advantage of them for any new products, whether it be AEW, Super 7, Mattel, WWE, any type of stuff that Ringside carries. They are the best bet. They Every pre-orders, they get it fast. They ship it to you fast. And the customer service is the best. Uh, but the Undertaker news, uh, no news per se of plans for the Undertaker in the news so far. But um, Damian Priest, who is the United States champion over there on Raw, um, he was giving an interview talking about um, his experiences so far as a superstar, and he said some really nice things about the Undertaker. Uh, which uh, I will give you a snippet of what he said. Uh, he says that Undertaker is just as good of a person as he is a WWE character. Very true, I may add. You know, sometimes they say don't meet your heroes because they're not going to be what you think. Undertaker is everything and better. And that I can definitely uh, agree on. I've said that on my episode when I talked about my experiences meeting The Undertaker. And I even said this line, you know, they say, don't meet your heroes. Uh, but people who said that, you know, they've never met The Undertaker. He is amazing to meet in person. He uh, interacts with his fans. He is engaged. If you're telling him a story or talking to him. Uh, sure, he doesn't have a lot of time uh, because there are literally almost a thousand people, uh, hundreds and hundreds of people waiting in line. And he stays there for every person to get a signature. And so I can understand, you know, the time is limited, but he's engaged. He gives excellent detail to his signature. And, you know, I, I, I talked about the little cute stories I have about giving him stuff. And he's, you know, he's engaged and he gives uh, funny anecdotes and stuff like that. So I, I can definitely attest to what Priest is saying here. Uh, he goes on to say his love for our business, for WWE, is infinite, and he has within him the need to help, to be positive, and wants all of us to be successful in our careers. 
He likes to see people achieve their dreams and wants this company to remain number one. Uh, I am a super fan of him, and I was nervous to have a conversation with him, but he is tremendous. He is a humble human being. We have a good relationship and it is incredible to know that this is my life, that I have an undertaker, a person with whom I can talk to, and he greets me because he knows me. It's amazing and I love it. He is number one as a character, but also as a person. That is a perfect way to sum up The Undertaker. I think he he does Undertaker so much justice here in this little snippet from his interview. And the ability to know Undertaker as a person, to be his friend, and just to pick his brain for anything that you may be going through in your career, I think is um, priceless. And to say that he wants everybody to be successful, to achieve their dreams, you know, um, so many people have uh, said so many good things about him being this way. Um, and even a couple of weeks ago on my Undertaker CM Punk episode, I remember telling, talking about Undertaker on the Joe Rogan podcast when they talked about CM Punk's uh, transfer into a UFC and MMA fighting. Undertaker said, you know, he didn't understand why he made the move, but he was proud of him for, you know, chasing his dreams and trying to be successful in another outlet if it wasn't wrestling. You know, it just goes to show, you know, Undertaker, you know, he may not think it's the best path for you, but if that's what you want to do, he'll, he's, you know, he says good for you, good, good for trying and chasing your dreams and it's just it just proves the the mountain of a man he truly is and um yeah i i there's no better way to uh sum him up and uh i guess there's no nothing else really to say in this segment i think that caps it off very well so we'll just head right into weekly purchases where i talk about my next big uh package from uh blade uh, underscore 517 on Instagram, who has become a uh, notable feature on this podcast in the last few weeks. Welcome to Weekly Purchases. And like I said, um, Blade underscore 517, um, Alan, Jason Blade, as Matt Cardona calls him, because Matt Cardona buys from the same guy I do on Instagram. Uh, he calls him Jason Blade. So Jason Blade, uh, another amazing package of Undertaker greatness into my collection. So much stuff. Um, you know, I got the atrocious SummerSlam Superstar Series 9 Vince McMahon in that god-awful suit. Just because he said um, he has the Ministry Undertaker in the series. And I said, do you have the Vince McMahon? He said, yes. And I says, add it to my pile. Just because it is such a nostalgic figure for me. Uh, so many good memories. And it's just an atrocious figure. I said, yes, I have to have it. I got both um, Snap Talking ba uh, Slammers. Um, back Talking Slammers, I mean. I got the Road to WrestleMania new Bone Crunching Action Undertaker. I got the Attitude Racers. The uh, I got the uh, Monster Truck. 
mini monster truck. I got a American Badass Bobblehead, the uh, Superstar Sound Bank, uh, R3 Tech Hardcore Champion Undertaker, Titantron Live Series 12, um, the new Bone Crunchers, the first series, Signature Series 6, Raw Heat Series 1 and Series 2, uh, Signature uh, Series 2 Undertaker without the teardrop, because I recognized in my collection, I have the teardrop variant of, of uh, Signature Series 2, and I need the regular one. And luckily for me, Jason Blade had it, so uh, just added to my pile of so many great things. And, um, and a few more things that were uh, great additions as well. That is the WrestleMania 18 Signature Series box set which is Chris Jericho, Triple H, Stone Cold, Edge, Rock, and The Undertaker. Power Slam Pinball, which if it wasn't so rare, I would love to open this and play with it. It is a miniature pinball uh, game machine with miniaturized figures of The Rock, Stone Cold, Kane, The Undertaker, and Vince McMahon. Uh, such an awesome display piece. And finally, the Smash and Bash race set. It is a little uh, racetrack that is uh, electronic, and it gives you Stone Cold and Undertaker miniature monster trucks. It's almost like the monster truck I uh, got separately, but that is not mechanical. But this one is just an awesome like racetrack set that, again, if it wasn't so rare, I would love to open and play with it. But uh, amazing stuff. And um, Jason Blade, Blade underscore 517 on Instagram. I can never say enough good things about him. He is a fast shipper, great prices, great products. If you are looking for anything except Undertaker stuff, because that's my forte with him, uh, definitely hit him up. Uh, you will not be sorry. He is a great guy to deal with. And um, if Matt Cardona buys from him, and if I buy from him, you can definitely be uh, safe to say that he is uh, a A-plus seller. So thank you again, Jason uh, or Alan, whatever you go by, um, Blade underscore 517. I uh, cannot wait to receive my next round of purchases, which I'm sure will be uh, just as fun to discuss on next week's podcast episode. I'll probably just not buy from eBay or Macari anymore. Just get all my stuff from this guy. Uh, but uh, I'm not complaining, and neither will you if you buy from Alan on Instagram. He is amazing. So, um, yeah, we go to Taker's Mark next. That is enough digging up Dead Man, I think, for the week. Uh, at least my wallet thinks so. So now we go to Taker's Mark. Taker's Mark. And of course, in Taker's Mark, for the past couple of weeks, we have been Taker to the Extreme as we march on towards Extreme Rules, and we are in the Extreme Season. We decide to take her to the extreme here on the Collecting Dead Man podcast. 
The uh, number four on our list was, of course, SmackDown Extreme, the first blood match between the Brothers of Destruction versus Haku and Rikishi. Uh, a match that me and Canaanite 10 will probably be doing a watch-along in the near future. Uh, but from there, at number three, we went to another SmackDown hidden gem, Extreme Rules, Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker, uh, which showed, you know, one of the few times I talk about Undertaker losing on this podcast as being a match I rewatch uh, as a part of Taker's Mark. Uh, but of course, that continues to this week as well. Because our number two match on the list comes at One Night Stand Extreme Rules, The Undertaker versus Edge. The match where it is for the vacated World Heavyweight Championship, and if Undertaker loses, he would have to be banished from SmackDown and the WWE. And of course, you know, the story behind this is that Undertaker has defeated Edge at WrestleMania 24 using Hell's Gate. He has retained the World Heavyweight Championship at Backlash using Hell's Gate. So general manager of SmackDown, Vicky Guerrero, has determined that the Hell's Gate submission move has been too uh, dangerous to be used on superstars and thus has stripped the Undertaker of the World Heavyweight Championship. So him and Edge do battle once again at Judgment Day 2008 for the vacated championship, where The Undertaker wins by countout. Of course, any other time you would think he has won the championship, but Vicky Guerrero changes the rules once more to say that the championship cannot change hands on a countout. So now we are forced into extreme rules. One Night Stand, Extreme Rules Pay-Per-View, 2008, The Undertaker versus Edge. The Undertaker's career on the line against the vacated championship. And, of course, Undertaker and Edge gel so well together. They put on so many classic matches during this feud and time period. Um, it's another feud that lasts a year to almost two years. It culminates at SummerSlam 2008 in that uh, remarkable Hell in the Cell match, which I have talked about on this podcast before, and also which I have done a watch-along for with Keegan Dimitrovic. Uh, but Undertaker and Edge work so well together, and Undertaker puts his body on the line in so many ways throughout this match, getting hit with ladders, chairs, that that spot near the end of the match where he is pushed off the ladder into like six tables on the outside still makes me cringe and still makes me think, my God, he would put his body on the line for us fans and uh, for people who do not appreciate that enough. Um, I don't know what to tell you. You just aren't wrestling fans enough, I should say. Uh, if you don't appreciate what Undertaker has put his body on the line for, you know, it's a unnecessary spot. He didn't need to do it during the match, but it gave a good visual for Edge and it made Edge seem like um, a realistic contender to uh, oust the Undertaker from the company, and which that's where the story heads. Edge wins the vacated championship and Undertaker is then banished from the WWE, 
um, except for house shows. As Vicky, uh, come, I have read that on every house show Undertaker is scheduled for, she comes out at the start of the show to say that she has allowed Undertaker to finish off his commitments. So he continues to fight on all the house shows, which leads up to SummerSlam, conveniently, where then Vicky has brought the Undertaker back to the WWE because Edge had cheated on her with um, Alicia Fox, the wedding planner. So to get back at Edge, Vicky does what she can only do. She puts him in a match, not just any match, the Hell in a Cell match against the returning Undertaker. And that's where Undertaker gets his revenge. Everything at Edge had done to him, he does to Edge. And one of the spots in the Hell in a Cell match is that he drives Edge through multiple tables. And that, um, but we wouldn't have that amazing Hell in a Cell match if we did not have this just almost just as amazing, uh, Extreme Rules match. If only The Undertaker would have won. Damn, it was so close to being one of my favorite matches, but he loses, so I tend not to watch this just as much. Um, but yeah, definitely go and rewatch it. I definitely will be rewatching it again on the way to Extreme Rules. Um, but it's just so, I remember so vividly watching this on pay per view, being so pissed, so upset, as I always am whenever Undertaker loses. Uh, but such is life. And um, I am looking forward to next week's uh, match. If you know me and what I have said on this podcast many times, you would have guessed what the number one match is in Undertaker's Extreme Rules history. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, deep diving further into that match. Uh, but until next week, uh, before we get to next week's match, we have to get to... Buried Alive, and that's where we take just a weird or off-the-wall piece of Undertaker merchandise, usually action figures, uh, say what's terribly wrong with it, say why it is probably in my collection, uh, but still drag it to hell and bury it alive. Now I'm buried alive, I feel that we give Jax too much of a hard time here. Most of the time here I'm buried alive. So I figured it was Mattel's chance to uh, be a part of the buried alive segment. And the, um, the series of figures I chose to talk about is the Flex Force and Reckon line of figures. Now don't get me wrong, I love them. I love these type of figures. Uh, I'm an Undertaker completist, so I have to have them in my collection. And I do have most of them in my collection. I'm only missing two package variants of the Reckon Undertaker, and I'm only missing one package variant of the Flex Force. But as a whole, it is very childish of a figure line. I and not a fan of the waste of packaging uh, that these figures come in. I figured that there's too much cardboard, there's too much package, uh, while there's just, you know, 
a half open figure and an accessory on most times. I figure that it could be condensed to make it more collector friendly and even more display on the pegs friendly. I feel that I think that uh, the large packaging has probably turned retailers away from getting the Reckon series in the U.S. Um, because the newest Reckon Undertaker figure I cannot find in the United States. Per Steve, action figure attack, I have asked him about it, and uh, he said that it's only available internationally through Toys R Us or Smiths, if in the U.K. Um, so I have a feeling the packaging may have something to do with it. It is just too much packaging for the little amount of figure you get. And I'm not a fan of the uh, opening hands on the Reckon. I feel it's 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 childish. Just like the Flex Force with you bend the, the stomachs back and they do an action. You know, it's not as fun as a Hasbro when it's real uh, a smaller figure, when it's still a six-inch figure doing this. It's gimmicky. It's childish. I was I, I keep going back to the word childish. I, I know they're meant for kids, but still it's it's probably something a kid would probably have more fun um with a smaller figure doing this instead of a six inch figure doing this. Um and again, uh, some of the Flux Force Undertakers don't have the tattoos on the arms and the Reckon Undertakers, they have all black gloves instead of having his fingers through the open gloves, which is not, except the Slam Cycle Undertaker, that fits the, you know, the boneyard where he wore the all black gloves, so that fits the attire, but still, and it's the same Undertaker Reckon figure re-released over and over, but me as a Psycho has to get each one because of the packaging variant. And they did the same with the Flex Force. It was the same figure released over and over again. And they had that double pack with Cena with the unpainted belt. They had that deluxe pack with the speaker. They gave him a speaker accessory of all accessories to give him. I figure a casket may have been a better uh, Flex Force accessory than a speaker. But I digress. It's just a lot of things. You know, Mattel has done so many amazing things. But things like this, they missed the ball on. And they could have done so many different action toys, um, making them smaller action toys, you know, like the retros that they have finally, you know, are bringing back. Um, but like that sort of scale to have an action is fun for kids. These type of figures, they tend to not be looked upon the best, and I can definitely see why. But uh, Mattel has made its way into the Buried Alive segment only because I felt we were giving Jack such a hard time. But to be fair, there is so much misses that Jacks have done. I can do like a whole episode on it. And um, that'd be a fun thing to do, I, I think, just thinking about that. Um, if any of you listening would like me to do a whole episode on what the Jacks were they thinking? Um, let me know. I think it'd be really fun to dig through 
uh, not only my collection, but photos on the uh, wrestling figure database to see what was Jack's thinking, especially when it comes to the classic superstars line for Undertaker. A lot of misses there when they had so much to work with. They missed the ball so many times when it comes to Undertaker and the classic superstars line. Uh, but as for another episode, as for this episode, this episode is in the books. And I want to thank you, Creatures of the Night, for joining me here another week on the Collecting Dead Man podcast. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a five-star review wherever you get this podcast on your preferred platform. And follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead. Follow me on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. And until next week, Creatures of the Night, keep on rolling, baby. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Collecting Dead Man. Please continue to subscribe and leave us a five-star review where you can. Follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead and on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. Check out my Linktree page so you can find the links to all my merchandise stores, where you can find wherever this podcast is available, and where you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the like button and subscribe there as well. Please continue to support this podcast in any way you can. And until next week, Creatures of the Night, keep on rolling.